Shall we begin? Why not? Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. It's like she's got a whole lot of goodness for you with a little bit of sass. Frankie, did you just say... She sure did. Not to mention, <laughs> along with... Whoops. Join us now as Frankie Picasso and her new co-host mix it up with authors, musicians, and interviews with world-changing people. Let's begin Okay, let's begin now, because it only makes sense. And hello there. Welcome back to Frankie Sense and More. It is so great to be here with you. I'm so excited. Today, we are going to catch up with some old friends and hear about the wonderful humanitarian work that they have been involved in. So it's pretty exciting for me. Uh, last week, I told you a little bit about Shivani. And I think at Christmas time, I told you about Shivani Singh and Jessica Ventile of uh, the co-founders of Pathfinder uh, Social Enterprise. They um, Shivani and, and Jess really wanted to do something for the children in the refugee camps in Syria. And Shivani had just moved back to Toronto and she was hand, hand making gifts and uh, she had a project and she was raising money so that she could go over there uh, with a filmmaker, actually, um, and, and to do a documentary. And then all kinds of stuff happened. And I gave you a little bit of an update last week, but let's hear it from the horse's mouth. <laughs> Welcome, Shivani. Tell us about Hi, your trip, how it all unfolded. Um, sure. Okay. So, it, you know, it was definitely interesting. Um, I got off the plane, you know, sort of, it's, it's a long flight to get to, I, I was going by Lebanon to yep. the Western Syrian border and we were working with some fantastic local guys um, who, you know, were not clear to talk about very much because a lot of what they do, you know, is allowed because of anonymity and also, you know, it, it, it secures their safety. So, um, so you know, we were working with these guys. I went to Lebanon, and it turned out that they would not let me in. Um, I had, you know, I had all the approvals, but they just wouldn't let me in. They detained me for five hours um, in this room with some other folks um, who happened to be all, you know, Middle Easterners. There were there were a couple of Libyans. There were a couple of well, there were several Syrians actually, and then there were their children as well. And so. That was a really intense five hours. I remember when when it was starting out that for a second I did think that I was going to disappear, which was particularly, wow. you know, you think that um, you think that you should be terrified in that situation, and I should have been. Mm-hmm. But I think you know the moment things start to go south, and you already know that you're heading you know, towards this sort of dangerous yes. territory. Um, I think your adrenaline just kicks in. So it, mm-hmm. it was just about, you know, just trying to do whatever I needed to do. And so I spent about five hours in detention there. I didn't disappear. I did tell everyone, well, my friends, my family were not made aware until I got back safely or was safely in Egypt. But, um, but you know, it was their stories that, that, was, that were really moving. Um, there were these children that I was playing with because they were terrified and I just thought that they had seen enough. Um, in the, so in we the room. Around. Are you talking about in yeah, the room? Yeah. In the yeah. detaining room. So what were you carrying with you when you when you came there, you were going to distribute some goods. So what were you gonna right. what were you taking? So our primary goal was of course to take vital winter supplies to these children in the camp so they could survive the winter and bombing in Aleppo at that time was terrible and they were getting more and more people in these camps, right? And we also had for these kids we had made like these little gift bags, you know, like uh, yep. chocolate and candy and gum and you know just noise makers and silly little things like that 
I had about a 75-pound suitcase that I took with me, and I didn't get to see my luggage in Lebanon. They, I, I had no conversation whatsoever. They um, put me on a plane to Egypt to get rid of me. Um, oh, and wow. I was to go to yeah, I was supposed to come back to Toronto, but I stayed in Egypt, um, you know, legally of course, and sure. uh, and we ran the project from there. Um, my luggage it had definitely been opened. Um, yeah. It had definitely been tampered with. My suitcase was broken, um, mm. but you know we were able to get the we were able to get those gifts to a little uh, to a, actually quite a sizable orphanage to all the little kids in that orphanage, and that was. In Egypt. Um, yeah, that was really yeah. nice. It was like, you know, I gave them these presents and it was like I was handing out iPads. They were so Aww. excited and it was just candy. And it was, you know, children taking care of children was yeah. was very hard to yeah. watch. But they were yeah. happy and that sort of made my day. Well, it's, you know, I, I guess it's interesting and we talked to, when we'll talk to Sam, we'll hear about, you know, those children too. But um, children everywhere need things. You know, it's not just... yeah. You know, you think, oh, let's get the Syrian. And and we would have loved for those items to be able to go to the children and not to discredit the children of Egypt because they needed them too. Um, But it would have been, you know, wonderful to get those warm items to to the children in the camps because it snows there. Like, we don't think of it. I don't know. When you think of Syria, for some reason, you think it's warm, but it's not warm and it's cold and uh, it snows. And and it would have been nice to be able to, for you to be able to have gone there. Did you have to do a lot of bribing or anything? Um, I actually did not bribe anyone and someone actually asked me later if it was that that was a problem that I didn't try bribing anyone and and I did at one point ask the officers if there was absolutely anything I could do to get out of that situation and they said no so I knew I wasn't going to win with them but you know uh, even when they redirected me to Egypt uh, Jess and I got on the phone and we just like it was troubleshooting all day every day until we could we could actually get the project delivered successfully and we were quite surprised because we we reached 500 children including those children that had recently been evacuated from the orphanage in in Aleppo they were very famously covered by media yes um we got to those guys and again I can't speak to the people who who were on the ground uh doing this but we're collecting the evidences now and you know we're going to present them in this documentary hopefully we get a lot of evidence we can make this small short film but uh but you know we did we managed to get this project back on track in a really good way so you were you doing the filming yourself or did you were you able to bring someone with you well i i wasn't gonna um i didn't want to bring in a filmmaker but he was having visa issues having visited israel several times Uh. um so he was not allowed um so i was going to film for him and send it over but when i was not allowed in then i got in touch with the guys we were working with and i was like hey you know we really need you guys to film everything. Nothing is useless. Just film, 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 send us everything, and we'll try to work with that. Nice. So did you get some film back already? Not yet, Frankie. As of last week, they were still heading into Syria and, and working with these kids. And, you know, the priority is obviously the children. So the filming is going to probably come to us over the next, you know, few weeks, few weeks, maybe even a month or so. It might be a while. But, but last I checked, they were setting up these lorries full of stuff uh, to take to these camps and to take to the children inside Syria. So, so, you know, that was last week. So they're not even letting medical personnel in? Well, these guys aren't medical personnel. And, and you know, it, it's different when you are, say, a Red Cross versus a right. smaller outfit. You know, right. with, with the Red Cross, it's very... It's, it's very public. People are watching you. You have to kind of mm-hmm. deliver. But these smaller outfits, you know, they could disappear and no one would know. 
Yeah. And did you meet any of the of the White Hat group? Did you meet anybody no, from there? I, yeah. I nobody nobody in Egypt was white helmets. White helmets are entirely um, based inside Syria, and I right. would have loved loved to go in with them, but you know yeah. it's. It's, it, I didn't get past the, the white helmet. Theory. Sorry, yeah, I meant white helmet. And if you guys are listening, I've been trying to get you. I want you on the show. I want to talk to you. So. Yeah, I know. I would love yeah. to. I would love to talk yeah. to them. I mean, I can't even imagine how they get up every day. I was a mess after five hours with, you know, a few of these families. I can't imagine so, what it must be like every day in their life. And and how were the families handling, you know, the delays with the children? I mean, they were coming. They were trying to get back into Syria or into Lebanon. Or they were right. in Lebanon well, trying to get into Syria. Well, there was a Libyan professor couple. They were they work in Lebanon. They teach there. They're highly educated. A professor of English and a professor of psychology. Her husband, um, and and they apparently go through this exercise every time they try to come really? into the country. They're given a hard time. And they um, live there. But no, well, they come and teach there, and they're committed oh. to their job. So they will continue to educate in spite of these barriers. Mm-hmm. Um, which is amazing. And then there, you know, there were, there were several Syrians actually. And, and the one, one step that really got to me was this very young mother. She had to have been like in her early twenties. She had a 10 year old and a six year old. She was terrified, uh, for her children and, and her children were terrified. And so, wow. you know, it, like, I don't, I'll never forget those guys. And I still cannot talk about them without getting, you know, sure. Curie. And, and, the guards or whoever were, were were there that you know had detained you. They, there was no sympathy on their part for this young mom and no. her children. No, they or? were actually they were shouting at the children, and that really? was what. Yeah, I was I was really. I mean, at that time, I knew you know it's hard because you want to step in, but at the same time, yeah. if you step in, you're just giving them a reason to do away with you in a in a sure. in a non you know Western approved humanitarian fashion. <laughs> but, like your head goes off or something. Yeah, okay, you know, non approved. Like, <laughs> I like that. Right? Very, who knows very, what uh, might happen? Appropriate. Yeah, but but you know it was they were they were really nasty and they were yeah. not helpful at all. And I had I switched on I switched on my Canadian telephone. Quick shout out to Bell. They've been amazing. I told them my story and they gave me some money off because it, you know it was uh, it was forty five minutes of her calling the UK, the Netherlands, the uh, you know in Lebanon, even in Syria. And I, the story was that she was getting supplies to her husband, her mother, her father, her family, basically because they were all left behind while she had been rescued with her children sent to sent to the Netherlands and and they were now threatening to send her to the camps when she had oh already been rescued. And there is no reasoning with these guys. They don't allow you any sort of communication. There's no water, there's no toilets. It's just it's miserable and these people don't give you explanations. They just put you on a plane. Wow. So when they put you on the plane, did they say you're going to Egypt or did you had no idea well, where you were going to go? What they said was that, you know, do you have, a, will you buy yourself a ticket out of here? And and it was a bit silly of me in retrospect because I was antagonizing them. But I said that, you know, I was fully legal and allowed to be there. And if they were not going to let me in, they had to buy my ticket out. Oh. Um, which and what I would not say? recommend. <laughs> but <laughs> they said, you know, they grumbled, it threw me back in there. They were kind of incredulous that I would talk back, I guess. Um, and then And then they found out that my return flight was, through Egypt. So what they did was they called Egypt Air and they strong-armed them into putting me on the next flight out of Lebanon. Wow. Yeah. So that that's that's an experience you're never going to forget. Nope. Nope. Not not ever. And it just makes me even more committed to going back and finding a Good new way to do this because 
you know, if you, you know, Frankie, I was looking at these kids and I was like, the first thought that entered my mind when I saw them terrified, these were blonde haired, blue eyed children from Syria, mm-hmm. you know, and I was sitting there thinking, and it's so sad that that's what I would think, but I was sitting there thinking, do you think people would respond differently to these children if they knew they weren't some dark little Arabs running around shouting Quranic phrases at each other? Like, do you mm-hmm. think that that's what it is? But I just right. I feel like people remove themselves from these scenarios because they're not personal to them. And But if they knew that these are just tiny children and they're terrified, I don't believe a human being would pass up on trying to help such a child. Shivani, we got it. We're going to commercial. I'm sorry. We got to say goodbye at this moment, but we'll be back shortly. And you're right. Yeah. I think that you are right that that they they just don't have any um uh, they, they don't know how to respond. Yeah. Cuz there's no connection for them. Yeah. Right. Here we go. Don't go anywhere, folks. We're coming right back. Getting warmed up. Frankie Sense and more. We'll be right back after we pay the bills. recording of our own voice, it always sounds different than we think. This is because the bones in our skull create a resonance from within that makes our voice sound deeper to us. But our recorded voice is how others hear us. I'm sure I'm not the first person who has uttered the words, I really don't sound like that. Do I? Margaret Thatcher famously underwent vocal training to lower her voice and make her sound more statesmanlike. Recently, British Airways polled Americans and Britons to see who they believed had the sexiest voices. Morgan Freeman was voted number one. If a judge loves the sound of his own voice, expect a long sentence. What's a word for a person who loves to hear the sound of their own voice? A philodox. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Now that school has ended and summer begins, it's time to think about what your children and you will be eating. It's easy to buy junk food snacks for them that they love, but I want to urge you to think again and use this opportunity of new schedules to eliminate or at least drastically reduce your family's consumption of junk food. Trans fats, sodium, hidden calories, genetically modified ingredients are all good reasons to give up processed junk food. There are also phosphates, which are the food additives that doctors are linking to higher rates of weak bones, chronic kidney disease, and premature death. Do you want to eat that? Choose instead to eat fresh fruit like nectarines, peaches, bananas, and berries. Nuts are delicious, as are fresh vegetables and whole grains. Don't settle for junk food. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Like us on Facebook. Well, you know, nobody ever said that missionary work was uh, safe. (laughs) That's, That's for sure. And... You know, going from Lebanon and Syria, Egypt, now we're going to head over to Nicaragua. And we first caught up with, with Dan and his wife, Megan Grafham. Um, I think it was a year. It might even be two now. Gosh, time goes so fast from Hope Project International. Uh, they have a ministry and they in Nicaragua where they build homes. They provide food and schooling and assistance to families there in Cristo Rey in Managua. Dan, Welcome. Good to catch up with you again. Good. 
Yeah. Now, I know on your website it said that Nicaragua is the poorest country in Central America with 80% of its population living on less than $2 a day. Like, that's crazy. Wow. Yeah, it's mind-boggling. It is mind-boggling. And, you know, when you think about how far $2 a day goes, and that's for a family of how many? Yeah, I mean, there could be two-day homes for families with four kids, five kids, six kids, all living under, you know, one roof. And right. And the parents, parents are struggling to, to make ends meet. A lot of times it's just a single mom who's trying to figure out how to make some money to feed these kids, but also what does she do with six kids? Where does she go to work? And, and what does she do with those kids? And so... Yeah, so what do the kids do all day long? Yeah, right. and so they typically, like you're there helping build homes, but right. what what are they living in if they're not living in homes right now? Yeah, so the, the area where we work is Crystal Ray. It kind of was like a, a trash dump community in Managua, and, the, and they had to shut down the trash dump, and they pushed a lot of these families into different areas of the country. And about 10,000 families ended up in Crystal Ray. And so okay. they have these plots of land, and a lot of them, they just built homes with whatever they could find on the fence. And so, you know, early on, it was plastic wrapped around some trees that they already had on the property. And then, you know, maybe over the years, they got a little better, a couple sheets of tin, some wood here and there. But, I mean, just our last trip there, this January, we built a home for a family who was living in something built only out of plastic. There was no metal, no wood. It was plastic wrapped around trees. And that's what they had been living in for the past five, six years. Wrapped on a tree. And so yep. there, obviously it's just one room, no bedrooms, yeah. cooking, everything. Yeah, every, everybody lives in the same. Yeah. Wow. That, that's... Living. And then when we come in, we build a home. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's a solid structure. It's concrete, uh, you know, concrete floor. They've got metal. And a lot of times we're going back and, and visiting families we've built homes for, and they have taken what we've given them and they've added on to it. And so where we gave them a one-room house, that is now one out of three rooms that they have added on. They've built on. And so it's really cool to see them. So, so you, you've given them hope. Yeah, yeah. You, they, they receive you really have given them up. hope, and, and, and just that bit of inspiration inspired them to, to build it for themselves now. Absolutely. They, they feel Love like that. they've been seen, they've been heard, they, they feel valued, and it kind of changes the direction of their life. And so it's really cool to go back and visit families and, and see them taking steps beyond what we could ever do for them. I remember um, there was a, a, a minister there. Was it, was his name Julio? Uh, Carlos. I, I can't remember his name. Carlos. Yeah. And Carlos had, had hurt himself. He'd hurt his and, – and you needed to get a car for him or a van or something. Um, yeah. And you were trying to raise funds. Was, did that happen? Yeah. So Carlos was a family with three kids, and the only transportation they had for the family was a motorcycle. And so right. anytime they wanted to go somewhere as a family, you know, half the family had to ride a bus, and the other half would ride on the motorcycle. So one day, taking his daughter to school, Carlos crashes and, and kind of messes up the motorcycle, hurts his shoulder. And so we, we already wanted to give him a better vehicle, obviously. And so we kind of took that as a launching point to say, let's do more for this family. And we set the goal at 15000 And over the whole year, 2016, we raised just over 13000 of that. And uh, we took it down there in January. And it, the money's on the ground there. We have someone searching for a truck for them right now. And it can be purchased any day. Awesome. I love yeah. that. And you, so two, $2, um, yep. what would be a comfortable amount for a family to live on? Well, you know, Carlos is working out there with those people and he's really, we can't do anything without him out there. And so we looked into supporting his family and we asked around and I think 
the government says that for a family of four, uh, $400 a month would be the adequate standard of living. And so if, if there's a family of four that had $400 a month of income coming in, they could survive. At a, at a would that survive? Level. Would that be three meals a day? Would that yeah, be, that, they could buy yeah, clothes? I think, yeah? I think that would kind of be the basics. You know, you'd have shelter yeah. and clothing and food. And it would just basics, you know. And so it, it's a very small amount of money to us. And that, right. that's what they would consider to be adequate. Wow. Yeah. And so I'm really bad at that. I'm just thinking, so right now they live on about 40 Forty dollars a month or something like that. That's that's yeah. insane. Wow. So four hundred dollars. It really goes far. It really yeah, goes it far. Now you built. Um, I don't know if your site's been updated. Thirty nine right. homes. Yeah, we had that was the end of two thousand sixteen. We we ended at thirty nine homes, and we actually took a team in January of this year and built six homes in one trip. The numbers wow. now bounced up to forty five homes. Forty five homes. Those, Yep, and in those homes, uh, 200 people live in those homes with 126 children. And oh, so, my gosh. 45 homes yeah. and 200 people. And and yeah. 2,500 pounds of supplies you provided and 40,000 yeah. meals for children. Yeah. Because like you yeah. said, the parents, you know, they're out there trying to make this $2 a day, um, yeah. but they've got four or five kids, and school right. is can't, they can't afford school because they, right. they charge for school. So the kids are out just playing in the dirt and doing whatever they're going to do, uh, get into whatever trouble they're going to get into. Right. And, exactly. um, but no food. There's no food right. on for them to eat all day long. And so right. there's a church there that you, you guys provide meals for these children now. Right, right. And, and actually the meal you know, efforts there have really expanded over the last year. We were kind of starting with, with about 100 kids eating two meals a day. And now that is expanded. We've got 150 kids eating three meals a day at one location, or three meals a week at one location. We've opened another location where 80 kids are receiving a couple meals a week. And we just started a breakfast program because we, we've had great sponsorship, and we got 150 kids in school this year. Those oh, that's wonderful. Start, yeah, what, how much does it cost to put a child in a school? Like if somebody wanted to, to give money to you. Uh, yeah. To support a, a child in school for a year, what would that cost, or what could they we, donate for that? Forty-five dollars would provide the uniform and shoes, which are the biggest hindrance to them going to school. Is that uniform and shoes, and also a backpack and their supplies? Because the school. And, I'm sorry, did you say twenty-five dollars? Forty-five. Oh, forty-five. Yep. And that's for one. So one kid could go to school for forty-five dollars for the year. Yep. yep. Basically. Absolutely. Yep. That's and incredible. We, I love that. Yeah. yeah we, okay. We found out a lot of these kids. Of the 150 we sponsored, about 80 of them have no reliable food source other than the feeding program. And so we actually started a breakfast program where every day before school they can go have breakfast at the church and then head on to school after that. And so They must be so malnourished, these children. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible that they survive because I know that's yeah. probably one of the number one, um, you know, reasons for death for children yeah. is, is malnourishment. So what would they have to eat in, in your programs? Like what would, what would they have? What would they get? Yeah. A typical meal is going to be, you know, rice and beans is obviously a staple. And then it, we always add a protein of chicken, uh, a lot of vegetables and even spaghetti. Believe it or not, a lot of times when we're there visiting, they're, they're preparing spaghetti for these kids. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Can add, yeah. You can add supplement to it, add bouillon or add, add whatever spices and flavors and and kind of make it something that's going to sustain them. And when you talk about the breakfast program, are you talking about the New yeah. Life Nicaragua program, the Child Development Center? Well, that is that is something different? Kind of a, that's something different. That's another partner working in Managua. 
And uh, okay. they're, they're kind of making a lot of changes in what they were doing. There, it was an orphanage for 14 years, and then it's now transitioning to more child development where they're not having kids stay overnight in their care. But they've they gone into some neighborhoods in Managua that are having, you know, issues with kids being left home alone. Uh, kids are malnourished as well. And so they're kind of creating a place for these kids to go during the day to get off, off the streets uh, and, and, and be brought to health and brought to life. And so That's it's, great. It's a great program, and, and but it is separate. What kind of jobs are the parents doing? Like, what work is there? Besides, like, I mean, right. I'm, I'm guessing that they're going to pick up fruits and vegetables right. or whatever, farming. But what else would yeah. they, what else could they I do? I mean, what could, they, what could they look forward to if they go to school yeah. and get educated? Right. A lot of the parents in the community we work in are working at factories or mm-hmm. uh if they can't get a factory job, I mean, they're going to find their own way. They'll, they'll do laundry, go around the neighborhood, do laundry. Uh, we, we, we built a home for a family that they, they, they make 400 tortillas by hand every morning. And uh-huh. they walk the streets of their community and sell those tortillas. And they, they told us they could do another 400 at lunchtime and another 400 at dinner if, if they had to, to make ends meet. And so they're, they're either working in a factory or a sugar cane or field, or they're making their own way, you know, with whatever whatever resources they have, they're, they're investing it in something. So the, the family, the kids that make the 400 tortillas, like what, what could they yeah. expect to bring in on a, if they sold all of them? I say if they sold all of those, they would make, the, the tortillas are just one Cordoba each, and, and sure. 20, 28 of their Cordobas is one of our dollars. And so oh, okay. they, they could make, I think, maybe, I'm not a mathematician, maybe $16, 20 yeah. For those 400 tortillas. Oh, uh, okay. So, okay. That's, an that's a good morning, I yeah. guess, if, if you're living in those situations. I just, I, I you know, you help them, but it, it, there has to be, there has to be more. Like it just seems to me right. there has to be some more. And how do you, like, we're, we got two minutes to our break, but um, quickly, okay. have, have you experienced or do you, do you expect to experience any kind of a fallout from, um, you know, Trump being in power as far as, right. you know, businesses being down there making things, you know, the factories. Are the factories yeah. local factories or were they American factories? Are there, you know, a little bit of both. I know okay. uh, a lot of uh, Under Armour, the, the product Under Armour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. It's made in those factories down there. Oh, wow. And uh, even, even uh, American Apparel, some of their stuff is, is manufactured down there. And so mm-hmm. there are some big companies there, textiles, clothing, things like that. Mm-hmm. There, there could be an effect on that. Um, I know what we definitely have to see and then, you know, just kind of see what happens on that end. We're going to continue doing what we're doing. We kind of haven't felt any resistance on what we do yet. Mm. So, yeah. I would just love to see, you know, another kind of industry be there that wouldn't be affected by America that, right. you know, they could actually get into and make money and, right. um, you know, look for a bright future. Absolutely. And I think yeah. the education is going to be a huge part of that for these kids to kind of, you know, learn how to read and write. Maybe I learn English as well as Spanish, and that will open up even more doors for them mm, to be yeah. bilingual and educated and, and, and speak for more. And really, Carlos in the program there, he was always pushing the kids, telling them, you know, some of you are going to be engineers, some of you are going to be doctors, some of you are going to be teachers. Sure, you're of course they do. You're not going to live this lifestyle forever. If you get your education and, and you seek out, you know, the plan for your yeah. life, it, it can be more. We're going to go to a, a, a commercial break. When we get back, um, I just want, I want you to give us, you know, um, how people can donate uh, okay. before you go. And um, 
let's see if we can't get some some more folks sponsoring children. That'd be wonderful. Don't go anywhere. Absolutely. We're going to be back. We're going to go to the movies after we finish talking to Than. Our movie correspondent Brent Marchand is back. Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central. Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Girasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's Paying It Forward. With tips, tools, and advice, and hard lessons learned, these pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central, on toginet.com. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Oh, the benefits of fiber. A high-fiber diet can lower your blood cholesterol levels, normalize your digestive function, and improve control of your blood sugar levels. It can even help you lose weight by giving you a feeling of fullness longer, so consequently, you don't eat as much. According to Livestrong, the University of Illinois says that we should be consuming 25 to 35 grams of fiber every day. The Journal of the American Diabetic Association found that a diet consisting of whole grain oat cereal, which is high in fiber, decreased LDL levels, which is the bad cholesterol, by almost 8% among overweight adults. So load up on cereal, grains, fruit, and vegetables, and increase your fiber intake. I'm Annette Hammond. For more fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. And we're back at Frankie Sensamori. I'm your host, Frankie Picasso. We were talking to Than Grafham from Hope Project International. And we're just, I hope that you were thinking about how many kids you want to sponsor to go to school, because I certainly have. Um, Than, can you tell us, I know that, you know, as I mentioned, Hope Project International, there's a few other charities with the same name, but we want to make sure that our money goes to you guys. So um, give us your web address, please, and tell us how we can donate. Absolutely. You got to go to Hope Project intl.com. So you're thinking hopeprojectinternational.com. And when you get there, really, there's a lot of different things you could give towards. And whatever your heart feels, it could be, you know, give towards food for kids, for shelter, for families. Or if you want to send some kids to school, search around the website and you can kind of pick a project and give, and your money will go directly to that project. And they can go on a mission with you too. They can come down there and, and do physical uh, work, right? Yeah. Build a house. Yeah, we, we have had, you know, 150 people join us in Nicaragua over the last couple of years and, and get their hands dirty building homes, feeding kids, meeting these families, you know. And, and it's really a life-changing experience for everyone involved when you, when you go down there and walk those streets. And how much would that cost? So it's $850 plus your airfare. And that's like an all-inclusive deal. It's your lodging, your food, your, everything you need while you're there is taken care of in that pricing. So can I, most of our trips come in at about $1,400. Okay, everything that's awesome. Dan, yeah. thanks so much for coming back and giving us an update. Give our regards to Megan and the kids. And, you know, I'm just so pleased that you are continuing to do what you do. And that's awesome. Thank you. Absolutely. It's our pleasure. Thank you so much. Okay, take care. 
Well, I said he's here. Brent Marchand is back. He is our good radio network movie correspondent, and uh, we 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 missed him last week. It was my fault, but he's here today, and he's here for a little bit longer too. So we get to talk about all kinds of great things. Welcome, Brent. Hi, Frankie. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. It's, it's great uh, to be back. It seems like it feels like it's been forever since I was last year. <laughs> I know, I know. Like since Christmas, almost it's, it yeah. feels like there's so much going on, and there's you know, like I said in our break, um, it feels almost disrespectful in in some ways to go from you know talking about people who are desperately needy to people who go see the movies. But I think no matter what, um, you know, every everybody likes to go and do something to uh, alleviate their sorrow or even in times of war, people went to see the movies, I think, because it, it just helped somehow. Um, not that, you know, I can equate well, this with, with that, but yeah. And the point with movies with meaning is just what the title says. And we want to try and present movies to listeners that are going to offer hope, inspiration, enlightenment and so forth that they can carry with them out of theater and into their everyday lives with them. Yeah. And and we got some really great movies we're going to talk about today. We sure do. Um, before I get to those, uh, one thing I wanted to say was congratulations on the website being back up. Oh, That's thank great. you. It's not complete and, yet. I'm having so many <laughs> tweaks with it, but thank you. Yeah, but, uh, I, also, I hadn't uh, mentioned to folks that it was gone. And... Uh, because I was, I was really angry. I really thought someone had targeted me. Somebody had gone into and trashed all four of my websites, if you didn't know about it. Um, and I was very, I thought maybe it was a person, but now I'm thinking it wasn't a person at all, that it was a bot that are just people, you know, are, are malicious in, in some ways. And they put these things out there to target because it's fun for them and they can. And that's just it. And I was a random and I got targeted. I'm certainly glad it's back up because that means also that the Movies with Meaning page is back That's up. That's right. That's right. Yep. And, and we're back. Uh, the we're first, back. The first host for that went up yesterday. And uh, on that page, listeners will find uh, extended reviews of some of the movies we're going to talk about today, as well as links to some interesting little movie-related tidbits, such as um, a link to my latest magazine article for New Consciousness Review, their, cinema, their Conscious Cinema series. Uh, as well as a link to uh, my website blog, which contains my top and bottom ten movie lists of 2016. So there's some interesting reading on there. So I hope there uh, is. Yeah, I hope listeners will take the time to check it out. They'll find a lot of interesting stuff there and, and uh, give them some more insight about the movies. Well, Brent's not always a great talker. He's a wonderful writer. So please go and read what he has to say because I think you'll find it very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so well, where are we going? We got today. Well. Um, uh, two of the movies we're going to talk about today are both Academy Award nominees, and they're also included in the uh, first Movies with Meaning blog. Uh, the first one is the movie Hidden Figures, which is a wonderful crowd pleaser. Uh, I love details. that movie. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a wonderful crowd pleaser that details the, the story of the contributions made by African-American women to the U.S. space program in the 1950s and 60s. It's a story that up to this point has received virtually no attention and certainly very little appreciation for what these people did. But it's remarkable in the way it's, uh, it details the, uh, the odyssey that they had to face in terms of uh, the accomplishments they pulled off and the circumstances under which they did it. It's the kind of movie that uh, really inspires anybody who has dreams of, you know, tackling something big and succeeding at it. 
the film stars uh, Taraji P. Henson, Octavia Spencer, and Janelle Monet, and explores specifically the, the individual odysseys that they went through in realizing their dreams through the space program as African-American women. And it, it, it comes across as a kind of a combination comedy and drama, mm-hmm. um, and it, it almost feels like it's a fusion of two very different films. I, I thought of uh, The Right Stuff, which came out in mm-hmm. the 80s, detailing the, the American space program, and The Help, which came out in 2011, which yeah. is talking about the, about the role. Also of the, starring uh, Octavia Spencer. Yes, exactly. Yeah. She's uh, wonderful. It's a, a very interesting fusion of those two genres. So it makes for some, some really some very, very interesting um, viewing. The yeah. other thing I was really pleased to see with about this movie is that uh, it won the box office, I believe, two weekends in a row. And it's oh. not the kind of movie that you would typically think would draw that kind of attention and that kind of a crowd. So it's really encouraging to me to show the movie industry that there are uh, there's a place for stories that don't involve robots and explosions and right. you know, all kinds of high drama. Um, that there are really are there is a place for people who are interested in seeing movies that you know entertain and enlighten at the same time. I agree. And, you know, it was really nice to see John Glenn in that role of, you know, being very progressive. Yes. And, uh, you know, as a man, as a white male in, you know, uh, 19, what was it, 60 uh, USA. So that that was really nice to see. And Kevin Costner, too, of course. Um, I, I didn't expect any less from him. <laughs> well, that, well, that was one of the real ironies in the story, the fact that, you know, here you have these women who are coming into this really remarkable opportunity for their careers and their personal growth and their development. And yet once they were inside the agency, in many ways, they still faced the same kinds of discrimination and segregation that they faced in the outside world. And, you know, right. it's, it's kind of ironic that you would think in an environment like that they shouldn't have to contend with that. But, you know, as, as the agency being, you know, yet another part of, of everyday society, those things carry over. And, you know, your battlefields, don't know any boundaries in a lot of ways. You still have to combat them, even in places where you think they wouldn't exist. Yeah, and you know, uh, it starts off really with you know the separate washrooms, and yeah. how you know um, Catherine Johnson had to run almost a mile to go to a bathroom yeah. that was for colored women. Uh, you know, from where she was sitting, and and they go, well, how come you're late? How come you're late all the time? Well, because I have to run to the damn bathroom, and you know, it's not in this building, and and she couldn't take. A golf cart. She couldn't. She had to walk, and it was it was crazy. It was crazy. And and you know, I love that that when that came to light, Kevin Costner's character, you know, just that's not gonna that's not acceptable anymore. Well, exactly, that's great. Because, so they became enlightened because they didn't think yeah. about it. They didn't know about it. It didn't make you know. Nobody thinks about anything until their eyes are opened. Well, exactly. And the thing is, you know, in in addition to the just the you know the the inherent unfairness of something like that. There was also the impact on her productivity. I mean, yep. having to take the time away from her job every day just to go to the bathroom is crazy. Um, yeah. So thankfully, we've we've come a long way since then. <laughs> let's hope we're not going to be making any retreats back to the way things were either. Yeah, so. let's hope not. Uh, <laughs> although somebody's trying desperately to take us there. Um, <laughs> uh, I was so, I was um, very surprised about. Uh, actually, I just asking. Um, Karina, if, if she'd ever heard of Katherine Johnson, like during Black History Month, had she ever come up? Oh, she did. Good, good. I was just watching okay. a video of Katherine. She's 98 years old right now, 
today and uh, <laughs> as of January anyway. And, and she said her greatest accomplishment was staying alive. <laughs> like very, very modest. I mean, incredible mind. She graduated what? She was 14 years old when she graduated high school. Uh, like just an absolutely brilliant mind. And the other Crazy. thing that was amazing was that all these women were doing all these incredibly complex mathematical computations without a computer. And they were that's, called that's the computers, weren't they? They called the girls uh, calculators. computers. Calculators, yeah. Yeah, or calculators. And then yeah. it, what I loved to see was, was you know, Dorothy Vaughn, which was played by Octavia Spencer, how, when she saw um, the, the first computer and uh, what, what were they called? IBMs, that she saw the mm -hmm. IBM and, and she kind of looked at it and she kind of figured it all out. She knew that the future, yeah. that's where the future was and she was going to, to be part of the future. Otherwise, she was going to be left behind. So she created exactly. that role for herself. That's awesome. That's awesome to see. Now, here's something, Brent, I wanted to ask you because um, Hidden Figures was, uh, you know, Octavia and Janelle both got Best Supporting Actress role um, nominations. Uh, Taraji, nothing. Yeah, like, that surprised you, me. Yeah. Do you think it's because that, of her character on Empire? Do you think she was slighted for that? Um. You know, a lot of times when it comes to movies that have impressive ensemble casts and awards programs, they can't nominate everybody. So they end up picking somebody who ends up being sort of like the representative of the class. It might seem a little unfair that they're singling out one person, but... They singled out two. Yeah. In, you yeah. know, because it's, both it's of them, except for the third actress, didn't get it. And she was the lead actress, really. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of weird. Um, uh, most most of the awards competitions so far have have picked Octavia. There was one that picked Janelle. Yeah. But, but basically, um, they end up being kind of like the class representative, simply because they can't nominate everybody. Um, I can think of other examples over the years, like back in uh, back in the '80s when the movie Cocoon came out. Mm -hmm. uh, they they picked Don Amici to be like mm -hmm. you know the representative of the cast. Or when the movie Crash came out a few years ago, they picked um, Matt Dillon to be the mm -hmm. representative of the cast. So Octavia, having probably the biggest name of the three, having been a former Oscar winner herself, yeah, uh, she's I think wonderful. they sort of laughed on her. her and said, yeah, okay, we'll make her the class representative for her cast, even though you know, we're recognizing her performance, it's really for all three of them. Yeah, I, and I'm sure when The Shack comes out, she's going to be nominated for that too. I have a feeling. Yeah. We're going to go to a commercial break, though, um, in just, just a few seconds. When we come back, think about the movies that you love. Think about them, and if you want, you can give us a shout, 903-787-5887 um, if you want to call in. Or just listen. Sit back and listen to uh, what we're going to talk about these movies, because I'm sure you're going to want to go see them. I know I go to see the movies, and Brent loves the movies, obviously. Um, I try to go every weekend, because I do love them. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back with more Brent Marshall and Conscious Movies. Heck no. We're just getting warmed up. Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. It's Merging There are more cats in U.S. households than any other pet. Most allurophiles or cat owners know that unlike dogs, taking Kitty for a ride in the car isn't any fun. I mean, you never see a cat hanging its head out the window, enjoying the breeze. Today's domestic cat is descended from a small Mid-Eastern wildcat. A group of kittens is called a kindle, and a group of adult cats is a clouder. What's the word for those dust balls composed entirely of cat hair? 
Fluffer Nugans. Personally, I like pigs better than either cats or dogs. Dogs are subservient and look up to man. Cats are aloof and look down on man. A pig, however, will look you in the eye and see as equal. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's words you like me, when you finish dining at a restaurant, you hate waiting and waiting for the check to arrive so you can pay and get on with your day. I admit my rocket, as my kids call it, starts going off, and my husband always wants one more cup of coffee, and I'm ready to go, wiki, wiki, let's go. It's not that I'm tense. I'm just terribly alert. My husband always has a cup of coffee in his hand, so much so he is wearing out the handles of our coffee mugs. But then again, he's not as bad as the French writer Voltaire, who drank 70 cups of coffee a day. I can't drink coffee before going to bed because I get too wadgety. My husband, on the other hand, can drink several cups of joe and go right to sleep. And I'm not talking slumgullion. That's weak coffee. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. And we're back. You're listening to Frankie Sense and more. I'm your host, Frankie Picasso. And my guest, well, not our guest, our returning movie correspondent, Brent Marchand, is with us. And today we're having a little bit longer with him, which is really great. We just finished talking about hidden figures. And now we're going to talk about fences. Another yeah, Fences is another terrific movie, and it's it's another one that features a, a African American cast, and it's, it's good to see that um, those kinds of terrific roles are becoming available for the people um, in those kinds of movies. Uh, Fences is based on the play, uh, it's a stage ad- adaptation of the stage play by August Wilson, that tells the story of a character named Troy Maxson, who is kind of a walking contradiction in a lot of ways. He's he's um, had a bit of a checkered past. He's trying to make up for it but he's also at times kind of turning around and shooting himself in the foot for some of the things that he does. Um, set in 1950s Pittsburgh, the movie stars uh, Denzel Washington in the lead role, and uh, his wife uh, is played by uh, Viola Davis in a terrific supporting performance. Um, this is a really intense movie to watch in a lot of ways because there's a lot of very intense emotion um, mm-hmm. But there's also a lot of really good humor in it too. So you get kind of a kind of a mixed bag in terms of the um, the moods that it creates throughout the course of the movie as it plays out. Um, one criticism that some people have had about it is that they felt it was a little stagey. I personally didn't feel that with this. I mean, at least compared to other movies that I've seen where they've gone from a stage to screen adaptation, mm-hmm. I thought this one moved along pretty well for the most part. But the thing that's really impressive here is the acting. It's just absolutely stellar. Um, Denzel Washington in the lead role, he's been nominated for an Oscar. Uh, Viola Davis in the supporting role, she's been nominated for an Oscar. And actually everybody else who's in it, too, is just terrific. Uh, One of the uh, characters in it, um, played by uh, Michael T. Williamson, is also wonderful. And unfortunately, he's somebody who's been completely ignored during award season, which I'm kind of at a loss to understand that one because he's wonderful. He plays a... uh, a character who suffered from a, a World War II head injury and is now kind of delusional. Mm-hmm. And, his best friend. Uh, yeah, and his brother. His yeah, brother. Oh, his brother, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, and then, and then there is the character who plays his, his best friend, uh, played by uh, uh, Stephen McKinley Henderson, uh, somebody who has played a lot of 
supporting and character roles over the years and finally getting a really good, meaty, solid performance where he can shine in his own right. Uh, he does a terrific job in this. So I really recommend it. It's, it's um, something that's um, it, it's not quite as... Um, not quite as light and bouncy as Hidden Figures, right? Right. But certainly, yeah. but certainly worth your time. Yeah, I think um, uh, it's an incredible role for Denzel. Uh, it might even be like, you know, his best role. I think. Yeah, I think it's the best work so. he's done since Malcolm X. I mean, really. Yeah. Um, um, and I, th- I think he's. Um, I think he stands a pretty good shot now at winning an Oscar too, but we'll save the Oscar predictions for the show later next later. Yeah, <laughs> so the Oscars are coming. The Oscars are coming. The Oscars are coming. Yeah. February twenty sixth, <laughs> and, and I'll be uh, back on the twenty third to offer my predictions. So yeah, there we go. And I'd love to hear your predictions, folks. Send them in. Let's see if you uh, if yours line up with Brent's. <laughs> How did you do last year? Uh, in the top six categories, I picked five out of six. There you go. So, Bookies like those odds. <laughs> it's, it's a little, uh, it's a little trickier this year. The handicapping is a little more difficult than it's been in the past because things aren't quite as clear cut. So, we'll see mm-hmm. how things play out over the next couple of weeks, and I'll report back. So, well, maybe tell tell us what movies are up so that everybody has a chance to go and watch them. Well, there's nine pictures that are move, that are nominated for best picture, uh, okay. including uh, La La Land, mm-hmm. Moonlight, uh, Arrival. Uh, mm-hmm. Manchester by the Sea, Hacksaw mm-hmm. Ridge, Hidden Figures, Fences, Lion, and Hell or High Water. Okay, I haven't seen Hell or High Water. You know, um, that's an interesting. That's an interesting one. I didn't think I was going to like that, and because it's kind of a, it's been classified as like a modern day western, and I was trying to figure in my mind how can oh. there be like a modern day western, but it's really very cleverly written. Um, and it has a surprisingly interesting moral tone running through it that you wouldn't expect to find in a story like this. Um, oh, features, no, I did see Heller High Water. Sorry, yeah. I did see it. Yeah. Jeff Bridges is in it. Jeff Bridges, Ben Foster. Yeah, I saw it. I loved it. Chris Pine. Yeah, it was really, it was really very well done. It was. So. I love that movie. Oh, I'm sorry. So, you know, I saw Lion last week. Um, I liked it, but I didn't love it. Yeah, you know, I, like I mean, the, first, the, the I like topic the is obviously, you know, emotional, but yeah, nah, it, it wasn't like hour, great acting. I thought the first, I thought the first hour was quite good when, when, when mm-hmm. the kid was uh, on his way to becoming lost in the streets of India. I thought that yeah. was very well handled, but the second hour just kind of turned into like an extended commercial for Google Earth. I mean, <laughs> <you> <laughs> yeah. know, a lot of crying, a lot of emoting, and it's kind of like, okay, we've seen this before, you know. Yeah, so, um, exactly. Uh, and I, and I love the actor, you know I do, I I do love him, but um, eh, La La Land, like we just said, La La Land's an interesting little movie. Um, parts of it I love, parts of it I didn't, and I didn't know what the big hullabaloo is though. I did I didn't really yeah. get that, um, not really. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you about that. I I actually wrote a blog piece about it um, titled "What Is It with La La Land?" because I I kind of came away from it saying I don't understand really what everybody is raving about with this. It's it's kind of a mediocre musical in a lot of ways. Yeah, uh, really, yeah. You know, technically very well made. Yeah, but John Legend, is but of, he's not there for a lot of it. He's just like, no. you know, a bit of it. So, and yeah, music, I, I think And the that. music is pretty forgettable. You know, I, yeah. mean, I, I didn't come away from it saying, wow, these are going to be tunes that I'm tapping my foot to five years from now. Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, now, I know that you liked Arrival. 
I like the <laughs> I rival the too, rivals. but I don't think it stands up against hidden fences. No, I, I think it's um, it may be a little too esoteric for yeah. viewers. Um, it did receive quite a few nominations in technical categories, so it it will probably pick up some things there. Um, but as far as the big prizes, I don't think it's going to come away with much there. So, folks, you better go see these movies so that you can vote with us on the 23rd and see see how you stack up against Brent, who five out of six is pretty darn good. I'll give yeah. my predictions, too, and we'll see if how, if we're similar or not. <laughs> but I love Hello Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, I, I can't believe I forgot the title. Yeah, I really liked it a lot. Well, the other thing that's interesting, too, is that a lot of theaters right now have brought back all the nine nominees, which mm. is something you don't usually see. And I'm glad to see that because, to me, movies are still meant to be seen in theaters. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's fine to watch them on DVD, but, you know, it's, it's hard to beat the movie-going experience. I <laughs> love going to the movies. It, so it is I. expensive. But, you know, if you go on two-for-one night or something, I'm sure that you can get there and, um, you know, ask someone. Our kids always give us movie tickets because they know we like to see the movies, so that we always get those. But I do. I love them. And um, – I don't like to watch them on TV, and I don't. I don't even like to watch them twice. You know, my husband will watch the same movie like, "Oh, Gladiator's on again for the hundredth time." You know, I, I <laughs> no, nah, I, I, I like to be, I like to see it fresh, and you know, I don't know what's going to happen. That's how I like to see it. But a lot of people, but there are, you know, sometimes you see movies again and again, and you get more out of them. There are those movies. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if there's certain ones I really like, I will go see them the second time or more. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it still doesn't compare to your first time through because you no. don't have any, you don't have the expectations at that point. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, do you, if you love movies as much as we love movies, let us know. Cause you know, there's a lot of movies out there. A lot of movies. Now you are fortunate being in Chicago that you get a lot of the movies before I do. You get, um, them in normal movie houses. I have to go to obscure movie, movie houses to see a movie like Hell or High Water that, that didn't really make mainstream theaters. Um, there's a lot of movies that don't make mainstream theaters, which really gets me because it's like, do they think that the audiences are just stupid and, and that they just need something that's going to, you know, that you feed them? You know, hand feed them the whole story or something. That happens a uh, lot. I mean, you know, if, I can't you're, if you're stand in a market that. where if you're in a market that doesn't have a big draw for those kinds of audiences, the movie houses just won't book them. Yeah. And you know, you may end up seeing some of these films only playing in half a dozen cities across the country where they know the market is big enough that they're at least going to draw some money, you know, from the box office for it. Yeah. But, yeah. Or they don't put them in. They put them in for, you know, one day or something or at, a, at, yeah. at 11 o'clock at night or some obscure time. They don't even give people a chance to, to say, hey, yeah, you know what? I would like to see that movie mm-hmm. or give us credit for our brains or something, you know. Um, so that but, really gets me. But if you're fortunate to have a movie um, like Chicago and Toronto do, you know, you, you have um, uh, kind of like a, a uh, what do you call them, uh, festival. Uh, you get to see a lot of really great movies. Yes. Yeah. Well, there's there's two there's two independent movies out right now. Also, that uh, if you have the chance to go see them, I recommend them highly. I'll mention just quickly in passing. One is a film called Patterson, and the other mm-hmm. one is a French film called Things to Come. Uh, both terrific, and both of them have to do with the idea of learning to appreciate what's really important in life. Um, you know, they both include characters whose whose lives help us to reconnect 
with the things that really matter in our in, in our existence, uh, not the distractions that we keep ourselves occupied with, or not the intellectualism that we tend to you know uh, occupy our mind with, to the point where we we lose sight of what's really important. So I recommend both of those highly. Oh, that's Patterson, the one with Adam Driver. Yeah. Yes. Um, I went to see Sing last week. And I dragged my husband because, you know, he goes, I don't want to watch an animated film. But you know what? We both loved it. It was a lot of fun. It really was a good job. So, I don't know. Animated movies, you know, they're not just for kids anymore. (laughs) No, they're not just for kids anymore. They're not. So, you've got got some homework to do. You've got... uh, Two movies that Brent just mentioned, Things to Come and Patterson, which are, you know, little little gems. If you haven't seen any of those nine Oscar nominee movies, go see them so that you can vote with us and we can talk about them a little bit more in, in detail on the 23rd of February. And um, go see Hidden Figures if you haven't, because it is just a beautiful movie. And, of course, Fences, I, I think that you will... Um, you will be moved. I love Viola Davis. I mean, I think she's amazing. She's and and Terry, I'm sorry that you didn't get nominated because I my vote was on for you too. Don't worry. I'm really looking forward to the Shack with Octavia. I I just think anything she's in, she just makes everything brilliant. So we got a minute to go. Brent, you've got a new book coming out. Do you want to mention it? Sure do. It's going to be coming All out right. this year. It's titled um, uh, Third Real R E A L. Conscious creation goes back to the movies. It's a continuation of the uh, series I started with its two predecessors, Get the Picture and Consciously Created Cinema. And it looks, the cover design looks great, and the writing's coming along really well, and I'm really looking forward and excited about releasing it. Yay! <laughs> well, if you want to know more about the movies, come back to us on February 23rd when Brent comes back to visit with us. Anyway, um, I thank you all for tuning in each and every week. On Frankie Sent Some More, I'm your host, Frankie Picasso. You were listening to Brent Marchand talk about the movies. And then Grafham from Hope Project International and Shivani Singh from Pathfinder were with us today. You take care wherever you are in the world, day or night, and we will see you next time. Thanks again, Karina, for producing the show, and thanks each and every one of you for tuning in. Take care now. Bye-bye. Turn the world, the world around. Shit, are you?